Well, now I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We'll get there in a minute. I'm going to preach to you. In fact, this is a ladder, and uh, you're going to see how this is going to be used later. But I'll just put it right here for now, because this is like a little visual aid that's going to come in real handy. If you remember, uh, a couple weeks ago, I started a series, and I said I'm going to do this series all the way up until Easter. I thought, what a better time to talk to all of us and to be reminded by, by the Word of God what, what church is, uh, why we do church, what are we having church for, what are we trying to accomplish. I mean, we've got a new building now, but what's it all about? What are we supposed to do? So let's rethink church, is what I said. And if you remember, we looked in the New Testament, we noticed a pattern. The Apostle Paul who had started many churches throughout the New Testament era, started writing letters to him. That's what we have in our Bible, you know. And so he wrote a, a letter to Ephesus and a letter to Colossae and a letter to the church at Thessalonica and a letter to the church of Corinth. And what was so interesting is this pattern that Dr. Gene Getz showed me like 40 years ago now. This pattern where at the beginning of the letters, the Apostle Paul like had this evaluation system. I call it God's yardstick. He, he would evaluate the churches on not how big they were, how small they were, how, 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 how evangelistic they were, how much they preached the Bible, or what kind of music they had. He didn't care about that. He was asking the question, does this group of people reflect faith? Are they growing in their faith, their trust of God? Secondly, are they, are they people who have hope? Or are they hopeless? Do they build hope into people's lives? And then thirdly, do they have love for one another? Do they love God? Do they show it? Do they demonstrate the love of God for one another? Faith, hope, and love. This was like the yardstick. This is how he measured. In fact, in one passage in the book of Corinthians, he doesn't mention any of those three until he finally gets to chapter 13. He gives what we call the love chapter and then says these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. He brings it up again. He's trying to tell everybody, this is what God looks at when he looks at you as a person. This is what God looks at when he looks at us as a group. Do we demonstrate faith in God? Do we trust God? Do, do we demonstrate this hope? Do we demonstrate love? So if we're going to look at a church and reevaluate ourselves, we need to look at this yardstick that God uses. We need to look at faith, hope, and love. Oh, there's a lot of other things, but that's what we need to start with, I think. So I thought, okay, I'll make a sermon here on faith, then next week we'll do one on hope, and then next week we'll do one on love, and then we'll go on from there. I got some more things I'd like to share with you. So today what I'd like to focus in on is this idea of, of faith, and I'd like to pray with you before we start. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we need your help. We come to you all the time asking for help, and I'm asking for it in this service. As we're trying to think about you, we realize we've got a long jump because we're, we're just down here on earth. You're up in heaven. We're just human. You're divine. I pray you'll help each one of us today to understand faith, to see how we can grow in our faith, and see how we can use our faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now I'd like to start with this whole idea of a, a faith-growing church and what a faith-growing lo church looks like. What would it be like if our church helped people grow their faith? What kind of church would it be? 
Well, the mission statement of our church, are you familiar with that? Not the vision statement, the mission statement is we want people to connect to God, connect to God's people, and connect to God's work. Well, let's just take that first part. We want people to connect to God. Do you realize how hard that is? You see, God is infinite. You're finite. God's eternal. You're temporal. God's a trinity. You're a single. I mean, like, there's so many. I could go on all day showing the contrast between us and God, which is why connecting with God is a nice statement, but it's like, do you know how hard that is? Intellectually, you cannot get there. No one can think finite. We're only infinite. No one can reach the divine. We're only human. We're creatures. He's the creator. How in the world? You can't do it intellectually. We're supposed to use our intellect, but it's not enough to get you there. Not enough to make the connection. Emotionally, you don't have it either. You can't feel it, sense it, think it, or, you know, in, in this kind of a, a sensing, feeling kind of way, like you look at artwork or you appreciate the scenery. It, it, you can't see God. You can't feel Him. You can't, how? You can't connect there emotionally either. Well, then how are we supposed to connect to God? The Scripture tells us it has everything to do with spirit. It's a spiritual thing. It's not an, just an intellectual thing or just an emotional thing. Sure, it involves those things, but it's more. It's your spirit, and that's why I like to call it part of your will. It's a decision, which is what faith is. It's a decision. You make a faith decision in your spirit, in your heart, to connect with Him. That's what we talk about. What's what the Scriptures are talking about all the time when He uses this word faith. is talking about a trust decision you make based on what's been revealed. That's as far as I'm going to tell you right now. It's putting your faith in what God's revealed. You see, since you can't go this way, you can't, you don't have, then it's all dependent on what? What he goes this way with, what he shares with us. And then we trust it. That's what the Bible's all about. That's what Jesus is all about. That's what the miracles are all about. That's what all the stories in the scriptures are about. God coming this way and asking us to trust him. Now, what I'd like to do is look at this. I put it down in your sermon outline like this. A faith-growing church stimulates your faith. How are you going to do that? Well, I think there's three ways revealed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the faith chapter. But it, it, it does it by helping us understand our faith, helping us increase our faith, and helping us use our faith. And before I go any further, I thought, you know, I should start at the very beginning by saying what faith is not. Please listen closely. Faith is not just a technique, um, a magical trick, kind of like magic, or some superstitious thing, or some people talk about faith like, if you just claim it and believe it, it'll happen. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says faith's supposed to be at all. In fact, in the book of Acts, chapter, I think it's chapter 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria, some people come to Christ, and then Peter comes and starts preaching and taking it over, and there's this guy there who's a magician. He had entertained all the people. They loved this guy. He was really good. And he becomes a Christian. He sees the apostle Peter lay his hands on somebody, and they get the Holy Spirit, and all these miraculous things take place. And he goes, hey, Pete, Pete, how much, how much do I need to give you? You teach me that trick. You show me how to do that. <laughs> Remember, he's a magician. And Peter says, may your money perish with you, buddy. You don't get this thing, do you? I'm not doing tricks. This isn't magic. 
He's called, he's called Simon the sorcerer, sorcerer. No, it's not sorcery. This is God working. And so, of course, Simon repents and all this stuff. He feels horrible. He's trying to understand, but that's one of the misconceptions many people have. With the kind of name it, claim it, health and prosperity gospel, they call it. It's a misunderstanding of faith. Another misunderstanding, something else you need to recognize, is faith is not an acceptance of just some kind of creed. Like, listen, you say, oh yeah, I believe there's a God. Do you understand that's not what the Bible's talking about at all? Look at me at another passage in the book of James. It says this. In James chapter 2, verse 19, he says, You believe that God is one? Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. <laughs> he said, even the devil, even the demons believe there's a God. So? That doesn't mean nothing. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about faith. Accepting just some creed, well, this is what my church believes, so I believe that. Yeah. That's not what the Bible's talking about by faith. Thirdly, the Bible does not teach us the idea that it's just some kind of blind leap in the dark. You know, I'm just going to believe this. I, I don't know why, but I'm a, a belief is just a step into the unknown. Because, of course, we don't know it all with God. But it's not what faith is supposed to be in the Bible. Faith in the Bible, faith in God, what's taught in the Scriptures, is believing some evidence, believing some support, believing what God has revealed about himself. It's not a blind leap. Well, then what is it? Hebrews chapter 1. You ready? It defines it right here. Hebrews 1 verse 1 reads like this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now we need to stop right there. We're going to read on in a minute. But before we get there, this is the basic. If you know, it's a two-part definition. And this writer lays out two parts. God's showing us, first of all, it's an assurance of of things hoped for. That word assurance is the word hypostasis, hypostasis or hypostasis. And it, it means confidence or, or resolute firmness. Like, I'm just going to hold this. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to hang on to this. Okay, that's good, right? We can understand that. But look at the second part. It's the conviction of things not seen. Hmm. What's interesting is that word for conviction. In the original Greek, it means evidence, the evidence of things not seen, or proof, the proof of things not seen. You know, this confuses me. Does it confuse you? Because I'm reading this, I'm going, huh? How can faith be proof? Don't you have to have proof to have faith? I mean, isn't that what I just was talking about a minute ago? So I don't get it. How can faith be proof? He explains. Next two verses. Ready? Verse 2. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. He says, you can look back in the Old Testament, you can see what happened. But he clarifies in verse 3 with what I would call an illustration. He says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. He's using creation as an illustration and saying, by looking at creation, you can see God's fingerprints all over it. it, it it's, it's a cause and effect thing. You see the effects, you go, well, something had to cause this. I mean, even scientists, now they study all the way down into the molecules, call it irreducible complexity. There's such complexity here. There has to be intelligence behind this. There's, the existence of God is clearly revealed. Um, look with me at Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, verses 20 and 21 say, 
basically the same thing. He says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. He's looking back in history and saying, it was all evident there. God's fingerprints are all over creation. If someone just, this is just one illustration. There's many illustrations he could have used, just, but just, just creation itself has God's fingerprints all over it. You can see God revealed here. And he says, faith is putting your trust in what has been revealed by God graciously and kindly to us humans with our limited intelligence and our, and our limited emotional capacity to be able to connect with the almighty creator of all existence. But you need to believe what's been revealed. You need to trust it, is what he's saying. You know, um, what's been helpful for me is to think of faith like a ladder. And let me put a couple signs on my ladder to help us with it. Step ladder always has this side that you use the steps on, but then it leans up against the brace side. The brace side would be the Word of God, what's been revealed to us. The step side would be us, I call it, our will. Now the Word of God calls to us, reveals things to us, shows things to us. We sing of it. We preach of it. It helps us understand the truth. We see it as true. It seems to have authority. It seems to have power. All of this, Jesus said, no one comes to God unless my Father draws him. And we're drawn to it because we're his creature. He's the creator. He's the truth. We know it's the truth. It's just like the passage we just read. His fingerprints are all over it. You, you see it even in creation. We hear it in the Bible. So people are attracted to church, attracted to an evangelist, attracted to the Word by our will. It's more than intelligence. It's more than just a feeling you get. It's a decision you know you need to make. You need to lean on it. You know you need to trust it. It might even take a kind of a breaking of our will to submit to His. It, it calls out to us for surrender, for acceptance, coming to the place. Now, listen to me. Where God's word and man's will meet, that's faith. That's why I say it's like a stepladder. Because it might take you steps of hearing somebody's testimony, steps of hearing a preacher, steps of... I'm not going all the way, don't worry. <laughs> but where these two meet, you know, I could try... What was that movie? You know, the, at the top, that would be good. Karate Kid. Um, this is faith. And it'll take every one of us steps to get there. And sometimes we go up, sometimes we might even doubt and go down, but it's the process. And that's what faith is. You understand that. It's a process. It goes on in your head. It goes on in your heart. As God seems to be drawing you and attracting you through his word, his truth, you go, yeah, oh, I need to. Oh, I yeah, that's truth. I can sense it. I can see the authority of it. And I know sometimes this is a struggle. 
and you're tempted to not believe it, and you have doubts, and there's persecution and difficulties. The passage we read goes into all that. In just a minute, we're going to go through it. But faith is like a stepladder. It's taking your will and depending, resting, trusting God's Word. Got that? That's the definition. And a, a good church that stimulates your faith is going to help you come to that belief that that's true. Help you understand faith. Secondly, a faith-growing church stimulates your faith by helping you increase your faith. Look with me at the next few verses. It gives us two illustrations from the past and then a, and a statement. Verse 4. For by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? Right after Adam and Eve comes Cain and Abel. It says that Abel offered a, a more acceptable sacrifice to God than Cain, though, excuse me, through which was, he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. His faith speaks of God's truth and God's existence. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch. Remember him? The Bible tells us in Genesis 5, he walked with God. Okay, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not be, see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. He's the one that God took right to heaven. He never died. He went right to heaven. It's in the book of Genesis chapter 5. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Then he says something, verse 6, key verse. And without faith, it's impossible. Catch that word impossible. It's impossible to please God or please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He's telling us there's two examples I'd like to share with you from the past. Two men who pleased God by their faith. Number one, Abel. If you remember, Abel offered a sacrifice to, to God, it tells us in the scriptures. And his brother Cain offered a sacrifice to God. God did not accept Cain's sacrifice, but did accept Abel's sacrifice. If you read about it, other places it's even mentioned in scriptures and read what, what Bible scholars write about it, they say, well, what's the difference? Why did he not accept Cain's, but he accepted Abel's? Because obviously what it tells us right here is Abel had faith, Cain didn't. Abel rested on God and trusted God. Not, not Abel, not Cain. Cain was trusting himself. Cain was going through a religious ritual to somehow appease God. Abel was trusting God with his heart and his life. It was totally on the inward. That's why it's not that easy to see outward. But God could see your heart. Man looks in the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Real faith is an attitudinal thing. It's a decision thing of the heart. And what we learn in this passage is, he's saying, look at, look, remember Cain and Abel? That's the difference between belief and unbelief. Then he mentions another story. Who does he mention next? Enoch. Now, if, you're, if we had time, I'd take you back to Genesis 5, and it tells us over and over again, men, mentions it a couple times, and then other places in the Bible where Enoch's mentioned, it always mentions, and Enoch walked with God. We've got to stop here and think about that. 
It's saying, this man had such faith that he, he would walk with God. Well, how do you walk with God? Well, it would be like going up the ladder. It would be a step-by-step -step experience to trust God. You're going to keep trusting him step-by-step. -step. God was so impressed with this in Enoch's life. He says, Enoch, why don't you just keep on stepping right up? I'll just take you home with me. Because you and I are glued together. You trust me. Now, can I just stop here a minute? Say something. Why is faith so important? Why is faith the thing that God asks for you and me to go to heaven or not? Think about it. Just if I faith, if I trust, he's going to determine whether I go to heaven or hell? Let me explain. In fact, Enoch's a great illustration. The basis of every relationship you have, every relationship I have, the basis of all relationships is always faith. To the degree, let's say you and me want to be friends. To the degree you will trust me with information about yourself. Trust me with your, your life, your cares, your concerns, your, your, your funny stories, your personality. And to the degree I will trust you with myself and information about me, to that degree we have a relationship, right? That's how people are tight. They trust each other. Anybody here been divorced? Huh? You know what it's like when you lose the trust, right? They betrayed you. The trust is gone. You got no relationship anymore. Trust is the basis of all relationships. All of them. So why is it surprising when God says, I want to know you. I made you for me. But we need to have trust. I'll reveal things to you about me. You trust me. And we can have a relationship which I created for, and you can come home to be with me in glory. So Enoch trusted God to such an extent. God said, well, you can come right now. Because trust or base is the basis of all relationships. All relationships. This is not a hard concept. It's simple. It's so simple, we just miss it. We go, oh, well, you have faith. And we use faith in some nebulous outside reality term. It's like, no, it's all reality term. Like, you have no relationship with anybody if you don't trust them. And they don't trust you. And that's why he uses Enoch to teach us about faith. And then he sums it up by this verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because you don't know him. He won't know you. And that's the whole reason he's calling you. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he's the reward of those who seek him. Do you catch what he's saying? He's saying two things there. When you will put your trust in God and what he's revealed to you in his word, you, 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 you are believing in his existence, that he's really there and he's there for you. And then you're believing that he will reward you. He will demonstrate his faithfulness to you. He will even save your soul and draw you into a present. Into, you know, it's all of a sudden the whole meaning and the whole purpose of life starts to come together when you have faith. Because you're starting to realize, I was made for God, and you're leaning into him. That's why you and I are on the planet Earth. Okay. Let's go back to the ladder again. I listed some things I want to say here. I'm going to use the ladder again. Faith depends on what God is like, not on what you're like or what anybody else is like. 
Catch that, what I'm saying? Faith is dependent on what God is like, not what I'm like. Because if it's dependent on what I'm like, then faith rests on what? Me. But if I'm going to rest my faith on God, which is what faith really is, depends on him. Let's do it this way. Let's say the ladder is not leaned, my will is not leaned on God, but I'm going to lean it on something else. Many people, many people, have their faith leaning on nothing but me. My mind, my will, my way. I did it my way. <laughs> and I didn't do this in the last service. But that's where it's going. Because you're going to die. Because you're going to let yourself down. Because you don't have the mental capacity. You don't have the emotional capacity. You can't do it. And doing it my way is a horrible, horrible thing. Because you're going to let yourself down. You're not even, you have no chance. Why would you do that when you could lean on God? Many people, they, they take their faith... And, their will, and they lean it on another person. Well, as soon as they move, as soon as they change, as soon as the kids are gone, so, you know, uh, many people take their faith. I'm going to put my will, I'm, I, made it, I made it all myself. I did it all myself. Put it in your money. Put it in your career. What, what, how, you all, we all know it's stupid, but it's like all we got. No, it isn't. You got the Lord. We're supposed to put our will in his word. That's faith. When your will connects up and you join to God's word, that's faith. If you're not there yet, I encourage you to take some more steps because that's where you got to go. Your will connected to God's word is what faith is all about. Something else I want to tell you at this point. Faith with your feet on the ground is not faith at all. So many people try and tell us they have faith. And they're taking big steps of faith. But as you can see, you're going to be very limited because you're just trying to rest really on the ground, not on faith. And eventually, it's going to be very clear to everybody, really all along, you didn't trust God. Faith with your feet on the ground is not faith. Do you catch what I'm saying? It's an all-in thing. You're going to trust this will hold me. I'm going to trust the Word of God. It's a step-by-step -step process. Sure, you don't have it all at once. But faith is all-in, or it's not faith. Faith is a total leaning, dependence, assurance, confidence. Isn't those the words that we just read out of the Bible? Well, that means you can't do it with your feet on the ground. Step. Thirdly, third thing I wanted to mention here is you can't trust in what you don't know. What I mean by that, I'm going to have a lot easier time in my will 
if I know more of this? If I don't know much of the Word of God and what's been revealed, I'm going to struggle with my faith, putting my will in God's hands. You wonder why your, will, your, your, your faith is weak? Well, I can tell you. You don't know the Word. Now, I do know people that know a lot of the Word still struggle in their faith. It's still an act of the will. But when you know more of the Word, you have a lot better chance of having real faith than when you don't know when the crisis hits or the problem comes or the tensions in the marriage or there's difficulty with the finances and you're struggling and, oh, God's not helping me now. Well, have you read what God's done in the past? Have you seen? You want to build your faith? You want to, you want to get 2017, Marty, I want to strengthen myself. I want to increase my faith. Read the Old Testament. Story. I mean, he's going to go through it here in a minute. We're going to read it. Story after story after story after story. It's just beautiful. David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den and children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. And it's just story after... And after you start reading, you realize, good grief, my life's a piece of cake. I could trust God. Look what he's done in the past, right? But if you don't know it, if you don't read it, it's going to be a real struggle. Put your will there. Yeah. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is trying to get us to do. Finally trying to get us to the place, as I put down in point three in your outline, to use our faith. If a, if a church is going to stimulate my faith, it's going to help me and challenge me to use my faith. Look with me at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 7. He goes on to tell us another story of another person. He says, by faith Noah, remember Noah in the ark, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, with reverent fear. Notice that. He was afraid. Oh yeah, but he trusted God anyway. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Wow. Notice what goes on from there. I, I, we don't have time this morning to read it all, so let me just read it for you. It highlights some things. He then goes on to tell the story of Abraham. Remember, Abraham was told, God's going to bless you and bless your, 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 all your prodigy and people coming after you. He had to trust God, though. And he was right, declared righteous by faith. Sarah, remember, you're going to have a child in your old age, and she didn't believe it. She decided, I'm going to believe it anyhow. And Abraham believed it, and they had it. And then Abraham's faith is tested, and he's told, uh, do what the pagans do, offer Isaac on an altar. He says, well, I don't understand why you're asking me. And God was testing him. And then by faith Isaac, and by faith Jacob, and by faith Joseph, and by faith Moses, and by faith the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and by faith Joshua took the, the promised land, and by faith Rahab the harlot, and he goes on and on, finally finishes, look at verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, you feel weak? Made strong by faith, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Wow. All that. And what's the point? What, you know, if we had time to go more in depth in the whole chapter, I'd tell you, the, you'd see it so much clearer. But the best I can do today is just say, do you see the main point? The main point is what? Oh, man. A whole bunch of people have climbed the ladder of faith. I mean, through difficulty, through hardship, 
you go, but Marnie, I got doubts. I'm afraid. I don't believe it. I, you know, I was up here, but I'm going down. I'm doubting. I'm hit. Well, of course, so did they. Noah, Moses, Joshua. I mean, go through the list. He's saying, they went through, he's, he listed all those things saying, of course you're going to have ups and downs. Of course you're going to have doubts. Don't stop leaning on God's revealed truth. Trust his word. Take the next step. You're here. There's people right here this morning. God brought you here this morning because you're supposed to take the next step. And I'm supposed to preach you to it. I'm supposed to get you there by getting you, come on, quit being afraid. Quit being doubtful. Believe God. That's what you need to do. Take the next step. Don't go down. It's your will resting in God's word. That's faith. You know, um, a good church, it seems to me, is going to challenge me on this, which is why I'm preaching at you today. Got the ladder out here and everything. Because I should challenge you to serve. I should challenge you to go like Jody and Kathy. I should challenge you to give. You know, we're in this building, and people gave millions of dollars to this building. God bless you. To me, the most significant thing, honest to God, is not this building. It's the millions that were given by you and me. Because that's the real demonstration of faith. You took a step. There's, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. That's what Jesus is saying. If you won't take that step to give, you still got your feet on the ground. It's when it gets to your pocketbook, you know, right? I got to do that to you. That's important for you. You're not taking a step. So a good church is going to challenge me to give, challenge me to serve, challenge me to go, challenge me to make action. James, what does James say about faith? Let's put it on the screen. In James chapter 2, I think it's verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Dead, non-existent. You're just sitting here talking about faith. You like to hear the songs of faith. I like to hear a sermon that inspires me. But you ain't done nothing. You're not going anywhere. Faith's like a ladder. If it just sits in your garage, you might as well not even have it. You got to use it. If you don't use it, it won't take you anywhere. That's why faith is like a ladder. It could take you higher than you've ever been. It can take you to glory. But you have to take the step. And it's a step-by-step -step process. So you believe last year. That doesn't say anything about this year. Because God's challenging you. And I'm sure he's challenging you right here today. Take the next step. Can I pray with you? Lord, I come before you in the name of Jesus and recognize that there's people here that are in crisis. There's people here that are in heartache. There's people here that are afraid. There's people here that are hurt. There's people here that are angry and they're questioning. Okay, okay. How many stories do we have to go through in the Bible? How many witnesses do we have to have stand before us throughout history to tell us, take the next step. Trust me. 
I challenge you, if you're here listening, hear the call of God. He's drawing you again to himself saying, come on, come on, I'm right here, I got you. Take the next step. And so, Lord, from what we know of your word, even in just Hebrews 11, I'm not going to be afraid. Tell the Lord that. Lord, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to take the next step. Here I go. I trust you in your revealed word. In Jesus' name, amen. Close our time here. Wasn't that an amazing word? And what an amazing word. What an amazing sermon. What an amazing truth that faith is a gift from God and Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So we're going to end our time here uh, just responding to God. So as we sing this song, uh, some of you may know it. For others of you, it may be new for you, but it's just simply called Give Me Faith. And so my prayer for us is that we would right now in this moment say, Lord, increase our faith. Give me faith. Help me to trust you in the hard times. Help me to trust you every moment. And so right now as we uh, sing this song, uh, would you just take a minute just to respond to God in your own heart uh, right there? And I pray that the words of the psalm would just minister to you this morning.
and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. Oh, give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I give you my life. Oh, I give you my life. Oh, God, give you my If you don't use it, it won't take you anywhere. Bow with me in prayer. Lord, as I commission these people off, just like I commissioned Kathy and Jody, it's really into your hands I put them. And it's where we've been all along. And we exist for you. But we stay away. We don't walk with you. Help us be like Enoch. Help us be like Abel. The, the first two illustrations of a, a walk with God where you just trust Him. So no matter what you're facing, why don't you say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. You got to come through. Yeah, that's right. Rest totally on Him. No matter what the doctors say, no matter what others may doubtfully say to you, you're going to trust God, learn His Word, and depend on it. So I commission you into the hands of God to walk by faith and to be a church of faith builders. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next week.